Hi, Govanen, Melonin, and thank you for joining us for the first episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Before we jump in, I want to give a heads up that the audio quality for the first two episodes isn't as crisp as I would like due to some hardware issues. I promise that things are crystal clear starting with episode three. On with the show! Hi, Govanen, Melonin. Hello, friends, and welcome to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to fill in some things that the movie didn't quite make clear. I'm Audrey, your movie master, and I've seen all the movies and special features infinity times. And I'm Leah, your book buddy. I'm a level 900 nerd wizard, and I've read all the books, including those of questionable canonicity. The way that this will normally work is that Audrey sends me a bunch of questions ahead of time. I research the answers to those questions as exhaustively as I can, and we'll discuss those answers on mic. And I just also want to take a second to uh, describe why this podcast was born, which is basically (laughs) that I've been obsessed with the movies since they came out in 2001. And there were always just like holes missing here and there, but I've never had the attention span to read the density of Tolkien (laughs) or most other things in general. Um, But I've always been able to count on asking Leah uh, to fill in the gaps that the movie has left behind. So I figure why not just record it and let everybody benefit from her wise explanations. (laughs) (laughs) Most notably when Audrey and I were getting tattoos, she wanted to be distracted from the pain by me telling her everything that happens to Sam Gamgee after the events of the book. I think you also got it during that time, got into the um, relationship between Arwen and Aragorn, which is very fascinating. Well, it's just rich. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And we will get to that very fascinating relationship much later. One thing, that I want to make clear right from the top is that I never want to talk about events in the book that differ from those in the movies as how it quote-unquote really happened. I prefer to think of them as book canon versus movie canon. The stories that they tell are slightly different, but one isn't inherently better than the other. Amen, sister. Uh, Tolkien was a medievalist, which means that he was very familiar with the fact that many versions of the same story can exist, and the unique aspects of each version can give you valuable information about the people who wrote it and the time that they were written in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you are free to pick and choose your favorite parts from whatever canon you like. Similar to ancient myths or the stories of King Arthur, there isn't a true Middle Earth to compare any of this to. We're all just pretending to be elves out here. We're all just trying our best. Yeah, <laughs> as always. So right now, we're going to do something. <laughs> we're going to kick things off with something a little different. And rather than our question and answer format, to get things started, we're just going to read through Galadriel's opening monologue and get a deeper sense of information behind all that deep lore that she drops within the first 90 <laughs> seconds of the movie. <laughs> a lot of info to take in. Yeah. So I'm going to read the monologue and I will either say some interesting tidbits or Audrey will interrupt me to ask me to clarify something. So we start off with some very ominous sounding Elvish, which is just <laughs> A translated version of the English. Yamar prestar ein. The world has changed. I feel it in the water. This won't all be with a British accent. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. 
much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember it. Uh, this whole thing, the world has changed, I feel it in the water, etc., is said in the books. It is said by Fangorn, a.k.a. Treebeard, to Galadriel when oh, they... I didn't know his name was Fangorn. Yeah. I'm already learning something. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, Fangorn Forest is called that, and he's like the oldest tree in there. He is Fangorn, who the forest grew up around. That's awesome. Right? And also, he's a tree with a beard. Mm. Beard tree. <laughs> oh, wait, that doesn't sound right. No, it flows oh, so much better. <laughs> uh, in chapter, in the chapter called Many Partings in the final book, when the fellowship kind of breaks apart to go their separate ways. Uh, Treebeard says this to Galadriel and says, I don't think we shall meet again. And Galadriel says, not in Middle-earth, nor until the lands that lie under the wave are lifted up again. And we'll talk eventually about the lands that lie under the wave when we talk about a story called the Akalabath. What's the wave? What are we talking about when we say the wave? There is a place where the Numenorean men came from. Uh, out in the west, in the sea, in between Middle-earth and Valinor. And there, <laughs> some stuff went down, and the mighty wave brought the land beneath the ocean. May this be the same wave that Eowyn talks about in her dream later on. I don't remember that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll get to that later, then. Okay, don't. Cool. <laughs> so you've got a lot of questions. Heyo. <laughs> okay, continue. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners, and craftsmen of the mountain halls, and nine. Nine rings were gifted to the race of men who, above all else, desire power. Right. Was that sentence done? Because I've got some stuff already. You nailed it. Okay, great. Um, first of all, just this wasn't even mentioned in uh, this prologue here, but just as a general idea, what is Middle Earth? <laughs> um, is is it a fictional time on our Earth, or is it a completely different place? Great question. The answer is yes. It is all of those things. <laughs> kind of like what you just said about canon and not canon. Yeah, yes, essentially. All of the things exist at once. <laughs> uh, Tolkien was very into Old Norse culture. In fact, his degree at Oxford was philology with an emphasis on Old Norse, which apparently is a thing That's you a thing. can do. Okay. <laughs> career you can have. Um, and his, his interest in this extended to their cosmology or how they view the different worlds. For instance, like a Christian cosmology would be there's earth and there's heaven and there's hell. So it's just how you view the different like planes of existence. Okay. The Old Norse believed that there were nine worlds or homelands connected by the world tree. If you read Thor comics or have seen Thor movies, you know that the homeland of Thor and the rest of the gods is called Asgard, and the place where we humans live is called Midgard, which literally means Middle Earth. It's called Middle Earth because it's in the middle of the world tree, in between the land of fire and the land of ice. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a question that's been on my mind since I was 11. I know. And it's it's not a, uh, a conclusion you would probably ever come to on your own. And it's very simple. One of Tolkien's goals when writing his whole legendarium was to give England as rich a mythology as the Norse or Anglo-Saxons did. Good book. <laughs> he, uh, he was following in that tradition when he named his world Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, um, so you mentioned that Sauron created these rings. Mm-hmm. Um, we went into who they were gifted to. Mm-hmm. Um that there were nine to men, three to elves, and how many to the dwarves? Seven to the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Okay. <laughs> and then, 
So I've always wondered um, what the other rings of power do, like their functional purposes. Okay, I'm going to get into some deep backstory, second age, Middle Earth stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And when I say second age, time is sort of delineated into ages in Middle Earth. Um, They're more or less between like three and six thousand years long. the War of the Ring and everything in the Lord of the Rings happens at the very end of the Third Age. Okay. And what we're about to talk about takes place in, like, early Second Age, so thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main point is that Sauron is already a dick. <laughs> People don't want to see him. They don't want to deal with him. So he disguises himself as a handsome elf named Anatar, which means Lord of Gifts. Oh. Yeah. And he he goes to a... So he's a phony, right? Oh, he's just a big phony. He's a big narcissist. He really is. <laughs> desperately narcissistic. <laughs> uh, so he goes to an elven realm called Eregion. He wanted to manipulate the elves into his service. So um, about, okay, I didn't write this down, about a thousand years into the Second Age, he calls himself Lord of Gifts and teaches the elven smiths how to make cool stuff and do cool magic, intending to turn them over to his service. So he, like, taught these people the art of magic, essentially? Uh, They had, like, innate magic. Okay. But he did teach them things like weaving magic into rings. Gotcha. So these elves in Eregion make all of the rings of power. So they're all of the same order, basically, Mm -hmm. with knowledge that they had learned from Sauron. That's 16 rings in total. Seven for the dwarves, nine for the men. We're not talking about the elven ones yet. Okay. Uh, So Sauron lets his worker bees work and leaves for home uh, in Mount Doom. And an elf smith named Celebrimbor continues doing his own work in Eregion. Uh, Celebrimbor is best known for making the three elven rings. The uh, and collaborating on the doors of Casa Doom or Moria with a dwarfsmith yes. named Narvi, and for being a major character in the Shadows of Mordor video games. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you didn't hear a lot about my old friend Celebrimbor before those movies Calibrimbor. came out. <laughs> so Celebrimbor is doing his own thing, makes three more rings on his own without Sauron being present. Uh, with the desire of understanding, making, and healing. These three rings have the power to preserve rings, which is why Lothlorien and Rivendell are so unspoiled by time Mm, and so safe from outside attack. Right. That's why they have the freedom to just chill out in their treehouses barefoot. That, yeah, I always wondered about that, where they're like, take the ring to Rivendell. It's safe there. And I'm like, why? Is it though? Are you sure? Is anywhere safe? Um, Apparently it is. Yeah. Uh, the three rings change hands a lot over the second and third ages, but at the time of Lord of the Rings, they're worn by Galadriel, Gandalf, and Elrond. Okay. These three rings were never touched by Sauron, so they're free from his corrupting influence. However, because they're made from magic that Sauron invented and taught to the elves, they are tied to him and to his fate, which is why the rings start to fade after Sauron is defeated. So that includes all all of the rings? Correct. Even okay. the elf rings. So the elf rings are of a different order from the rings that were given to men and dwarves because they had different makers, mm-hmm. um, but they all kind of come into that same ring zone. The ring ring. <laughs> ring ring. Um, <laughs> ring ring. Uh, <laughs> so what kind of 
just daily tasks could I do with a ring? With the ring? That I couldn't do without the ring. <laughs> so I, I get, because there's the thing that they say that it gives the strength and will to govern each race. Does that mean that they were couldn't get a hold of their people before? Like they were ineffective leaders beforehand? I don't know where this phrase comes from. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't really have any backing in book canon. Okay. Uh, the rings do offer preservation and safety, as well as an increase in power in the person who wears them. Power is in, like, influence? Yes. Uh, power in such an abstract way of thinking about it. Like, Galadriel has the power to defeat the necromancer um, just Whoa. because she is a powerful ancient wise elf. Gotcha. So it's not so much like physical strength mm-hmm. or or power as in power to make other people do what but you want. But more like the will. Yes. Like that's you, very, it gives you the will to do certain things. Absolutely. That like ordinary people couldn't have. Yes. So um, the other question then about I got real dense into the questions about the, the specific part of it. But well there's so much <laughs> to explain and she just goes right just over it. Right in. Um, so because there's like a different number of rings that are given to the different races, I was wondering if there's a spectrum of power. Like, why would there be nine rings to men versus three <laughs> rings to elves? Hmm. Well, the elves aren't given rings by Sauron because they made their own, or rather, Celebrimbor on his own made three awesome, cool Wonder Twin rings. Okay. Uh, the rings that are given to men and dwarves aren't different from each other, okay. but they do affect men differently from dwarves because Corruption. they are different. Yeah. Um, like men are the most corruptible. Exactly. Okay. The seven rings that were given to dwarves didn't allow Sauron to manipulate them, but it did increase their greed and lust for gold. So this mm. led to them hoarding wealth and treasure and these treasure hordes attracted dragons, and Sauron was like, that's pretty good also. You <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah, the, the nine rings that were given to men gave them long life, and as you asked before about what power means, the ability to influence the will of others. Right. So these men used that influence to hoard wealth and power. However, there was a similar effect on them to butter scraped over too much bread their physical body started to wear out mm. until nothing remained and they were just wraiths living only to serve Sauron. I see. So there isn't a spectrum of power as much as it just affects the different races differently. Cool. So mm-hmm. back to the prelogue. Mm-hmm. For within these rings was bound the strength and the will to govern each race. It's got a little ahead of myself. <laughs> but they were all of them deceived. For another ring was made. <laughs> Deep in the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others, and into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. And I want to read a little bit just about the beginning of these first War of the Rings. Um, Can I go back for just one second? I that? hope you do. Because I do have a question about what you just said about Sauron and pouring his cruelty and stuff into mm-hmm. the ring, uh, which is that is Sauron himself magical? Like, if he if he had all of this power, why not just put it inside of himself instead of like an object? 
Sauron himself is very magical. Yeah. He was one of the first beings ever created uh, um, an order of beings called the Ainur. The Ainur are all super powerful and magical. Uh, Sauron and Gandalf are of the same order. They're, yes, they're both yeah. mine. So they're both like from the same race? <laughs> What is that? What would you call that? Species is probably closest. They're just like immortal beings of thought and light. They're yeah. just, they were all created at the same time and they're not top tier, which are called the Valar. They are the Maya though, and they're still very popular, popular, powerful, <laughs> super popular. So popular. Um, so it can help to think of the Maiar as like demigods. Yeah. They're not outrageously powerful, God. but they could still really mess stuff up. I mean, they're definitely much more of God than I am. Yeah, well, so. maybe. <laughs> Gandalf, maybe. Maybe. Uh, they're of the same order, but Gandalf was specifically stripped of some of his power when he was sent to Middle-earth so that he could only help and not seek dominance like Sauron did. say that, that like, if they come from the same place and this, they were brought up in the same way, then you would have to remove some power so that there's not... Like, Gandalf's not a dick. Exactly. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> and you asked why he put power into a ring instead of just putting more power into himself. Yeah, or just, like, zapping things with his hand. Yeah. That, that, zap, that. Um, let's see. Like, why does he need a ring to do his magical bidding if he is magical? <laughs> <laughs> the, the purpose of the one ring isn't as much to increase his own power as it is to dominate the other rings. So he couldn't dominate the other races without like using objects, basically. Essentially, it's it's more about he would be able to use the ring to Bluetooth to all the other rings. I was going to say, he's got like remote control access. He does. Now. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, they foolishly bought smartphones thinking that they were not going to be tracked by Sauron. <laughs> but that is what the smartphones were designed for. Yeah. They all didn't read the terms of service <laughs> before they put the rings on and Sauron has been collecting their GPS the whole time. And Galadriel, well, I guess Galadriel didn't get a ring from Sauron, mm-hmm. but uh, what's the main man named? Kilibrimbor? Uh, the the head of like the wraiths, like the main man who gets like the, the witch king of Angmar. Yeah, the witch king. So he's like, I am slightly thirsty, and then he says, I accept. The witch king just clicks accept instantly. Yep. Um, so the purpose of the ring isn't so much to have a totem or anything; it's to dominate the other people who are wearing rings. Yeah. Um, okay. So he forges the ring. And puts his will and power into it so that he is at his most powerful when he wears it and is considerably weaker if he doesn't have it. So it's not that it adds to his own power, it's that he put his power into it so that he could control the others. I see. That's why he becomes easier to defeat when he is not wearing the ring. Okay. So he he needs to sacrifice his power into the ring in order to be able to control the other rings. Yeah, when Sauron puts the one ring on, the elves who were wearing the first 16 rings realize that they have been duped, <laughs> that they were betrayed, and they refuse to wear them. And Sauron's like, no, oh, I wanted to dominate your will. <laughs> 16 rings. I don't remember you saying anything about 16 rings. Seven plus nine. is the, oh. Yeah. So it, initially the elves had them. However. Oh, okay. Because the, the elven smiths made the original 16. Yeah. 
So Tom's like, give him back. And the elves are like, maybe no. So uh, he wages war. Sauron destroys Eregion, takes a bunch of rings, captures Celebrimbor. Sauron tortures Celebrimbor until he reveals the location of the rest of the 16 rings. But he never gives up the three elven rings. Oh, okay. Yeah. He does die from his torment, and his body is used as a banner by Sauron's forces. Uh, yeah, he's... That's and, some Game of Thrones shit right Yeah, there. he's a nasty boy. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. It all is starting to make sense. Well, good. My Govanen Melonin, this is Leah from the future. Our first recording session was a hoot and a half, but I want to cut it into two shorter episodes due to how info dense it was. So that's going to be it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Researching for the show is a delight, and I hope you found something enjoyable in it. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. Our Twitter is at SpeakFriendPod, so check us out there for official pod stuff. And if you have a Tolkien question you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at SpeakFriendPod at gmail.com. If you want to discuss something that Audrey and I talked about, my personal Twitter is at AskIstwin. That's I-S-T-W-E-N. And Audrey is too cool for social media, but if you walk into a meadow under the light of a full moon and whisper into a bluebell, she will hear you. Tune in next time for the answers to burning questions like, is the ring capable of conscious thought? And was it a coincidence that Bilbo went on a quest just in time to find the ring? Until then, Muku Turgizu Turuguskin. May your beard continue to grow.